My handle is Jonathan Blade. Welcome to my podcast. I don't usually get political. I'm still not sure why this topic would be considered political, but I'd like to talk about racism. And I know that it's not just current events. Current events have been always events for a decade. No, honestly, I just read Ta-Nehisi Coates' Between the World and Me, and it has me feeling some kind of way. But even before I start, we should decide upon a definition, as it seems the connotation of the word racism is not the same for everyone. So we're going to work from the denotation, the dictionary definition, which is as follows. Racism is prejudice, discrimination, or antagonism directed against a person or people on the basis of their membership of a particular racial or ethnic group, typically one that is a minority or marginalized. So good enough. And with that out of the way, I would like to say that I don't believe in racism. Now, I know how that it sounds. Me, a black man of a certain age, having seen things and experienced things, having a mother who was raised in a different time culturally and who went to college in the civil rights South. Me, a father of a black teenage son, a demographic beset on all sides and probably still the most imperiled demographic in the country, and still, I don't believe in racism. There are people who, even in the modern political climate, vehemently deny that racism exists. In the old days, in my day it was, and then we had Martin Luther King, and that was the end of racism. And in my son's era it is, and then we had Barack Obama, and that was the end of racism. Huh. I don't know. I think that there are people who desperately want to see the world in terms of absolutes, and so if they don't hear the N-word... Yeah, and I am an N-word guy. If you ever actually hear me use the word, it's either derogatory or a quote. But if they don't hear the N-word, then it's not racism. It's, well, those people need to learn how to behave, or it's a shame that that man was mentally ill, or you're being lied to. Here's a picture of that person with O.J. Simpson. See, see, they just don't believe in racism, and neither do I. Now, it's not like I've never been personally threatened or felt personally threatened. I have. But I have also been very fortunate. I'm well-spoken, and I generally adhere to an acceptability standard of presentation. I was raised in a religious conservative family in which that was the norm. I lived through the crack era around one of the worst affected cities, but I was fortunate enough to be untouched by it. Among my peers, I actually never laid eyes on any drugs or handguns until later on with my white peers. And I saw some of those peers find themselves in recidivist legal trouble. I saw those peers having the right connections and inspiring the right sympathies to continue to be able to live their lives free of long-term incarceration. Most of them believed that we are living in a post-racial society. That was the I-don't-see-race era, which made it much easier for them to feel that way. As an interesting side note, in that era, I-don't-see-race people were usually the first ones to do entertaining racial caricatures and to say disparaging things about black guys 
in the realm of I'm not racist, but. But they were also the ones who would see me as the exceptional Negro in the I mean to me, you're not black fashion, which is, by the by, one of the most racist things that you can say. But they could say it because they did not believe in racism. And neither do I. I don't believe in racism. I do believe, in my humble opinion, that there is a common cultural thread that enhances certain negative traits in us as Americans. Religiosity. We aren't a very spiritual society, our culture isn't thoughtful enough for that, but religious Americans are very religious. Now, I was raised to believe that without God, you'll fill that human need to believe with anything, but in practice I have found that the exact opposite is true. Depending on how dogmatically you were raised, of course. Being religious makes you open for simplified messaging, and open to accepting the will of leaders that you see as leaders of your community, basically open to, well, outside of the light of reason, belief. We are all victims of this, but being religious and uneducated is the deadliest combo here. It leads to the near deification of someone who is clearly, openly amoral, corrupt, and spiteful because your leaders have told you that he is the great savior that will restore the balance from the corrupting influence of an affable, intellectual humanist who just happens to be black. Here's a recent headline. Racism among white Christians is higher than among the non-religious. And in the article, which I guess I should link in the notes, it states that evangelicals are less likely to believe in institutional racism, but I find, paradoxically, they often believe in white primacy and are afraid of things that they associate with black or now brown folks. But like them, I don't believe in racism. Now, since the aforementioned humanist, cultural problems that have always been there have become an open sore in America. The hot-button issue is the systemic abuse of minorities. The justice system doesn't work the same for everyone. Now, this is from the U.S. Sentencing Commission. Black male offenders receive sentences on average 19.1% longer than similarly situated white male offenders and are less likely to receive sentencing variances or departures, meaning that they are less likely to receive leniency from the court. Criminal history does not affect, or does not appear to affect, the differences in sentencing. That is, of course, just one aspect and not even the most relevant one. Corporal and capital abuse by authorities has always been and remains a problem for minorities in our country. And this is where we come to the crux of the matter. So, recently, there was a terribly tragic execution that took place in North Carolina. A man executed a five-year-old boy for playing on his lawn. And this little boy, Cannon Hanant, has become a rally cry for people demanding justice for an innocent child. Except, there is no question that this tragedy will not stand. The perpetrator was captured within 24 hours, he's being detained without bond, my speculation is that his trial will be swift and decisive, if it even goes that far. Justice will undoubtedly be served for Canon Hanat. So why, then, are people using the language of the oppressed? Hashtag Justice4 has been used as a rallying cry to gather citizen support against state-sanctioned murders in which there is traditionally no judicial satisfaction for the families of the murder parties. In a 
social media conversation, I asked someone this question, and his response was that this was an innocent child, and it had already happened once before uh, this year in North Carolina, and something has to be done. So I looked up that other case, and I came back to him. Wow. Your timeline must have been aflame about that other murder, huh? They must have really been on fire for Tamir Rice. Or how about that three-year-old that was murdered here in our city a few weeks ago? Of course, they weren't, because those instances involved a black child. Canon Hanat was a white child murdered by a black man, a black man who will unquestioningly be crushed underneath our legal system. It's apples to oranges, but because he is a black man who killed a white child, justice for Cannon has national momentum as a rally cry, and that is why I don't believe in racism. Violent crime happens every day. Unfortunately, people murder children every day, oftentimes resulting in no justice. In 1990, our president called for the state-sanctioned execution of five young black men, lobbied for their deaths, when they were found to be innocent, Donald Trump shrugged his shoulders and an entire white nation shrugged their shoulders along with him. Racism does not need me to build the path in my head to get to where this concept may or may not actually be. Racism doesn't care whether or not I believe. I know racism exists. If you don't hire a qualified black applicant because you feel that they may not be a good fit for your work environment, that's racism. If you swing your head and wave your finger at a black woman work acquaintance in good fun, that is also racism. Yeah, it sucks to have to do the individual work to balance the cultural scales, but what happens culturally is the most important part of that work. It also sucks that it seems that you're dealing with a moving goalpost. But the fact is the goalpost is not moving. The goalpost is infinitely far away. And that is why we always need to make our tent bigger with intention. So if you would like to have a thoughtful, idea-space discussion, we can talk about whether racism is a greater evil, a greater stumbling block than capitalist classism, but don't come at me with this bullshit about how you don't see or if blacks would just because to me, and we are back to opinion, that just represents your own comfort in myopia. If you don't have to see it, if it's not in your field of view, you don't have to care. And that is my generous take. It doesn't take someone calling me the N-word or my son being directly assaulted by the police to acknowledge these problems. And it is only acknowledgement that will allow us to work through them. And that's a little tough love. But it is love. I want the best for all people, but especially my countrymen. There are so many more complex roadblocks in our path, this one should be easy. And I don't fully understand why it isn't easy, but I have been very fortunate to have wonderful people of many races and creeds around me. I want us all to level up in our understanding together. We can only get there together. Thanks for listening.